You're listening to Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical or theological questions in 10 minutes or less. Today's question comes from a lot of ways, but really it's coming from me. And my four-year-old son just recently placed his faith in Christ, and it was just the most precious conversation and morning I've ever had in my entire life. And one of the, I learned so many things and I'm still learning as I'm processing it and we're continuing our conversations about it in our home. But one thing that really stuck with me was, man, whether it's leading an adult to Christ or a child, it's such a mystery and it's just such a mystery. It's it's amazing. But I think when we talk about salvation with children in general, there are a lot of terms and phrases that we use in those conversations. And the number one is we tell children to ask Jesus into their heart. Have you asked Jesus into your heart or you're going to ask Jesus into your heart? And you hate that phrase. (laughs) So let's talk about it. Why is telling a child, you can ask Jesus into your heart. Why is that not the best vernacular? When we talk about Concrete versus abstract. When Isaac at four years of age says, ask Jesus into your heart, generally speaking, he is thinking that Jesus is going to shrink down, go into his chest cavity, There's a little door. open up a little door in his yeah. heart, go in there and sit, sit in down. a chair and close the door. Yeah. And beyond the concrete abstract discussion between when children can move from that mm-hmm. I think I'm going to always encourage people principally rely on the Bible, not the way we try to say things to people. In every gospel, I think, I know for sure in the synoptics, we have this discussion where the scribes and Pharisees are always after Jesus. And sometimes they're asking set up questions and sometimes they're just, you know, confronting him and trying to persecute him. But in Luke chapter 18, for example, it says they're, bringing even their babies to him so that he would touch them. When the disciples saw this, they began rebuking them. So you can see the maddening crowd, and you've been to the old city. It hasn't changed since the first century. There are people everywhere. In the Lake District, there are people everywhere. And so they hear, Jesus is here. It's like a rock star. Let's go see him. Let's take our kids to see him. And, of course, this would be pious Jews. And then you all know where I'm going already, what Jesus says. Jesus called for them saying, permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them. I think the King's English said, molest them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. And each one of those contexts is a little different thing going on. But the point is, They didn't like the children who were asking him. The disciples, in one case, were trying to keep him away. Jesus says, let them come to me. But what's the caveat, Hannah, is where he says, whoever does not receive the kingdom. How does a child receive something? They believe it. If you tell your kids we're going to Chick-fil-A, if they pick up their room and put on their shoes, they believe you. We're going to Chick-fil-A. So don't overwork this. And so back to concrete abstract. I think children are capable of understanding the terms belief, trust, and faith. And it's the parents that have the trouble (laughs) because they don't know those words seem big to a child. Uh And he says, look, let them come to me because it's, what do we say? A childlike faith. So you ask clarifying questions. What did you ask him when he said those things? Did you follow up and say, what are you believing in, Isaac? Yeah. What yeah. does that mean, yeah. Isaac? You know, you're you're as a parent, you're saying, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? 
And then a parent, you know, each person is different. Some children grasp it younger, some older, some don't ever grasp it. But you're asking clarified questions. What does it mean to have faith in Christ? And there's all kinds of illustrations. You know, the old illustration of you have faith in a chair. I like the term, the one you have faith in your car's brakes because no one ever gets in their car and before they leave the driveway, Checks, checks their the brakes, brakes 10 times. Yeah. They just drive and they know the brakes are going to stop. You have faith that if you put your foot on the brake, it's going to work. And that's what it means to trust Christ. I'm putting my faith in him to do for me what I cannot do for myself. So rather than use language that is not in the text, let's trust the text, God's word and God's spirit, to use those words. And I also believe there's going to be an evolution in Isaac's thinking of what it meant at four, yes. five, 10, yes. 12. And you're going to point him back. When you were four, you prayed to trust Christ. Yep. And I just- It's a benchmark. Trust, yep, bingo. Trust the word. Don't overwork it or romance it. Even some of these children's Bibles, when you guys were little, I would change the language because yeah. the language was terrible. Right. Now, I understood the yeah. concrete abstract, but- we're not trusting God at his word when we have to amend it or water it down. And I think you're better off leaning on the word of God than creating a phrase that we like, like ask Jesus into your heart. Uh I don't even remember who it was, but I read something not too long ago that really challenged parents saying, hey, cut it out with all the kids' story Bibles. Just actually read the Bible to your child. And I thought, I don't know if my two and a half year old's ready for that. I, I get it. Uh, but my four year old, I probably could read the NLT to him, you know? Uh, but anyway, it was just interesting. Yeah. There's God's word and then there's paraphrases of it. And, I think it's both and. Yeah. I, th- I think, you know, picture stories, which was the one we used with you, uh, the Bible for Little Lies or something like that. Oh, yeah. With the ladybugs. Uh huh. You know, the, the word count was small, the pictures were good. And for whatever reason, and that's a concrete abstract. You know, the authors of that book and the illustrators understood how to keep a child's attention. One of your children likes cocoa melon, which I think is the most annoying thing ever invented by anyone. Sorry, the producers, but they understand what gets a child's attention. So, concrete abstract is important. That being said, the parent has got to take it home. Right. The parents got to take it beyond the attraction of counting the ladybugs and saying, okay, this is a fun little story. And I've read some of those Bibles you have for my grandchildren, and I have tried to clean it up. And sometimes your one son hasn't memorized, so that's a problem. (laughs) But, (laughs) But it's imperative that we lean on the scripture, not on the, you know, our attempts to make it simpler. I think that's, yeah, I've said enough. All right. If you've got a question, call us or text us 615-281-9694 or email question at michaelincontext.com. Ask Dr. E is part of the Michael Easley in Context ministry. You can find more shows and biblical resources at michaelincontext.com. Ask Dr. E is produced by me, Hannah Seymour, mixed and mastered by Sonomorphic and music composed by Jason Germain.